Thank you, everyone, for coming on today's podcast. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I have my friend Rick. He's in the program, and hopefully we'll get more people in here. Let's go ahead and open this fast session with a moment of silence, followed by the set-aside prayer. God, I set aside everything I think I know about you, about this program, about my fellow man, for a fresh new revelation in you, in this program, and my brother, so that I could be of better service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's do the serenity prayer, please. God, let the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right, I'll get started on page 24 of the big book. The fact is that most alcoholics, for a reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequences that follow taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. Pass. The alcoholic may say to himself in a most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. However, it has begun, uh, begun to drink in his nonchalant way, and after a third <laughs> of drink, pounded on the bar and said to himself, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by the old threat of a, by the by, well, I'll stop at a sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with the alcoholic tendencies, he may, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. Unless locked up, may die go permanently insane. The stark and ugly facts that have been confirmed by the legions of alcoholics throughout history. But by the grace of God, there have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many of us want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the kit of simple spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we have not even dreamed. Pass. The great past just this is nothing less. We have deep affected spiritual experiences that revolutionize our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, towards God's universe. The central factor of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is deep and miraculous. He has accomplished and Commence and to accomplish the, for, uh, those things that which used to baffle us, I mean, used, well, we could never do on ourselves. 
If you're serious about God, we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was being coming impossible. And if we had to pass through a region in which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One is going to a bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of an intolerable situation the best we could. The other was to accept, to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Amen. Let's turn to page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation. But we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to, neither could we have reduced our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to had God's help. This is how the why of it. First of all, we had to quit blame God. That didn't work. Next, we had to do... Next, we decided that uh, thereafter, in the drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was a new keystone, a, a keystone of a new and triumphant arch, which we passed through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all-powerful, he provided what we needed to keep. And if we kept close to him and performed his work well, as, uh, <coughs> salvage on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt a new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, and we discovered that we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. 76. When ready, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go off from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. Page 86, please. 
24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the game before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking him to divorce us from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we employ our mental faculties with assurance. After all, God gave us brands to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. When thinking about our day, we may face the decisions we may be not we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here's where we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax, we take it easy, we don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we try this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd action and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom for, from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If Sufi says water, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we, be, if we belong to a religious domination which requires different morning devotion, we attend that also. If not members of the religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books out there. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one priest, minister, rabbi. Be quick to see what religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. As we can ask for the right thought or action, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. We humbly say to ourselves many times each day, that will be done. We are in the endless danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, foolish decisions. We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we are trying to arrange our lives and suit ourselves. It works. It really does. Amen. Let's please turn to page 416. 416. It helped, it helped me a great deal. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I had been drinking as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at that time, and that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I'd been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it's all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? 
When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. Pastor? Except this is the answer to all my problems today. But I'm disturbed because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. They'll find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need not to concentrate so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said all the world's a stage and all the men and women are really players. He forgot to mention I was a true critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point out because I knew he wanted perfection, just as I did. AA and acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And that we are all people of God, and we each have the right to be here. When I complain about you, I mean, when I tell you about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it is the best thing. It, it, it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good for or bad for you or for anyone so I am better off if I don't give advice, don't figure I know what's best, and just accept life on life terms as it is today, especially my own life, as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is as though AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift for being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind which magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew and grew, and we married. And all these qualities became more and more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. But then as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good about my wife, I began to see her defects, and the more I, drank, the more I focused on, on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I put out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was nothing, she reduced a little bit more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had my lenses on my glasses backwards. The courage change in the serenity pyramid, not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can then focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late starts, long drunk logs, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, 
And when I focus my mind on what's good about it, rather than what's wrong with it, the meaning keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their help, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them, and your prayers are only words, and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, and it has worked for me many times since, and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great ex experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and help and replaced it with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. <laughs> Page 100, please. Both of you, the new man, must, must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize there are things which came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hands were much better than anything we could ever plan. All days of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new, wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. Amen. Page 83, please. 
83, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will truly know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. This is a letter from our spiritual program of action of rest our laurels. We are headed for trouble to give for alcoholism to settle folk. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is daily reprieve of the conscience and maintenance of a spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry out that vision of God's into our all of our activities. How may I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts that which go with us constantly, and we can exercise our willpower all along the line we wish. Here's proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. If we were careful and follow his directions, we have begun a sense of flow of his spirit into us. And to some extent, we have become God-conscious. We have begun to develop a vital success, but this must go further than means more action. Amen. Page 43. Take us home, Rick. 43. 43. It's been a good session. Alcohol at certain times has no effect on defense against his first strength. Except for a few rare cases, even where any other human being can provide such a defense. This defense must come from a higher power. D.N., beautiful, beautiful, wonderful words of life. Thank you so much for coming in here and helping me with my recovery. Uh, Rick, I really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. Keep coming back and stay. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye. You too. Expect a miracle. <laughs> I will. He was instrumental in, in forming a group here. It runs really well. So, Fernando, if you raise your um, hand so we can unmute you. Uh, no, your, um, your virtual hand. Go down. Oh, there you are. Oh, great. Okay, Chris got you, obviously. Hi, Fernando. I'll give you a five-minute warning. <laughs> okay. 
I'm Fernando Alcoholic. How many uh, minutes do I have? 20. 20. Cool. Cool. Like I said, I'm Fernando Alcoholic. It's only by God's grace I'm here fully clothed and in my right mind. I thank God I'm not pushing up daisies like a lot of my friends that decided to go out there and try a different program, you know, like 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 uh, knowledge and exercise or, or, or church, you know. Um, my sobriety date is August 1994. Uh, I'm a retread. I first associated with AA in 1982. So uh, I really have a lot of experience of uh, what doesn't work. <laughs> I had uh, experience in... in uh, and craziness without doing meetings and white knuckling it. I experienced that. I guess I had to go through it. I had to get kicked upstairs like Bill W. said. And when I came back in, I came back in with a lot of arrows and so forth. I lost the car, the house, and everything again. Uh, it wasn't as heavy as drinking the first time. But the fact was is that uh, life uh, was reeling. And I couldn't stop the, the reeling of the mind until I came back into AA. But I'd like to start off in, uh, in I was a truck driver early in life in, uh, in San Diego. And I had uh, recently, I left home at 16 to go work because I couldn't get along with my brother. You know, he was a year older and we fought a lot. So I figured the best bet is for me to go to work. So I, I stole the Mustang, and from Southern California, I went up to Northern California, and I lied about my age, and I lived in the car and got a job hanging chickens upside down. So as I was uh, starting to drink with some of the buddies there, I got together with some uh, uh, hippies, and uh, they they taught me how to... Uh, Take acid, drink, and chug a lot of beers, and we lived. <clears throat> we lived all in one house with no, no furniture. But we had all those posters up in the seventies. I don't know if you, a lot of you people remember the uh, Cheech and Chong. You know, is Dave there? And <laughs> we had a lot of fun going to Yosemite. You know, uh, just running around and having a great time. And it was. Uh, it was a beautiful time because the alcohol and, and was working, you know. I uh, was able to come out of my shell and, and learn who Fernando was and take care of myself, paying my own bills, and I started getting in trouble with the law right away. Uh, like, uh, you know, I started buying cars and uh, and 57 Chevy, drag racing, and uh, getting tickets in them, and um, so that was becoming my... Uh, my problem. All of a sudden, I, I by the time I was 17, 18, I got a girl pregnant. I had a shotgun wedding, and my, my drinking buddies went with me to be my witnesses. And then after a year or so, I didn't think I was fit to, for, for marriage, and I left that marriage drinking, and I, I went, came back down to L.A. And at 19, I found myself doing the same thing I was when I was 16, 14, 15. Drinking and brawling and going down Hollywood, and and uh, you know the the most likely person at that time was to do to die in the streets was a Hispanic for homicide. To, you know there were that was happening, 
Before you know it, I, I was tattooed in my arm with the regrets, missing, missing. I had, by that time I had two boys and I was missing the family. Um, I was walking up and down Whittier Boulevard drunk, uh, tattooed and praying and uh, lighting candles and trying to make sense of, of these emotions and life and so forth. My dad was a drunk. Uh, he, you know, he, I saw that I'll never be like him, but unfortunately he came out of me and I was really surprised when he jumped out, uh, out of me and started slapping the wife around. I said, wow, my dad was subconsciously in, in into me, but real, uh, I almost, uh, one of those events of drinking, I had the, uh, I crossed the invisible line. I think I crossed the invisible line way back on my first blackout when I was 15 and uh, I have drank as hard as and as, as as fast as I could, and I hit the pavement so hard um, that I don't remember. The guy said I kept hitting the pavement backwards and forwards, and they finally got me. They threw me upside down, uh, but I barfed and pissed, and and all the fluids came out. If I would have been upward, I probably would have drowned overnight in my own uh, vomit. So uh, I came. I walked home. And I thought, I can't wait to do this again. Probably got an incredible amount of concussions. I went out to be a truck driver. I got that family again. And uh, as I was truck, truck driving, I started going out to clubs. And the wife started going out to clubs. And we separated again. And the kids ended up back in Northern California with their uh, uh, grandparents and the wife. And I went back I moved all the way to San Diego and I started drinking and I lost my truck driving job as opposed for dragging a 55 Chevy down Alcohol Boulevard in San Diego and blowing red lights and totally out of my mind. Uh, the, I got arrested and they took my license away and I couldn't drive truck anymore. It really broke my heart. Um, the, uh, I, I hired a, an attorney and it was just a waste of money. Because they did not send me to this program. I didn't get sent to AA right away. Uh, it took a, a second DUI. Uh, two years later, I got myself a, a job uh, cutting meat and so forth. I still was not back to driving truck. And uh, kind relatives wanted to help me sign. Uh, but while I was in San Diego... I, I got to meet some of the uh, the military people and uh, lived up and down the street there. And uh, we would go into the compound and he would, uh, my buddy uh, would get me in, in the Marine Corps. And we would walk up and down and look at all the tanks and so forth. One night we were so drunk, uh, we, we got on a tank and took it down into the field. And we're playing uh, with a 12-cylinder cat engine in there. I remember seeing a clip on TV where this crazy guy took one of the tanks and started smashing cars up and down San, uh, in San Diego, and and I said, "Wow, that was that was us. You know, we didn't smash any cars, but we were totally uh, joyriding in a military tank. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Part of my story there." <laughs> um, so uh, after a while, after that Chevy, I got another Chevy pickup truck. And uh, have you ever seen one of those uh, walls down this, uh, when you're passing by and you see uh, somebody took that corner and their car went right through a brick wall? Well, I, I took one, one of those in my drinking career. And I ended up uh, with my second DUI and I got sent to the courts. 
I had an attorney that was taking care of my divorce, and he took care of my uh, the uh, for second DUI. And this time, we had an attorney with balls, and he said, you know, I'm going to ask the judge to send you an abuse school and send you to uh, AA. And the ha- my hair stood up in the back, and I said, hey, I hired you to get me out of this crap, not to get me in, in deeper. And... Uh, and we, we go to toe-to-toe. We should both stand up before going into the courtroom. And he tells me, someday you're going to thank me, young man. I was about 25, 26. And, but I told him that I, I will fix the problem. I, I need to get my GED and I won't drive uh, Chevys no more. But no, they, <laughs> they still had me go to, uh, uh, to Anibus School. And, and I went to AA. And all of a sudden in AA is where the uh, the romance starts of Alcoholic Anonymous. Is when I walked in in East LA to the Los Amigos Fellowship there, I saw about 10, 15 guys sitting up against the wall. And I guess it was kind of like an Alana club. They had a pool table and they're playing. I said, wow, these guys must have learned how to handle drinking. And, but as I walked in with my court card, I looked I looked in the eyes, see if there was any... any uh, as I was going to have to deal with any loudmouths, I was a loudmouth. And sure enough, all I saw was acceptance in the eyes and whatever this program was, I knew those guys could teach me. I just knew in their eyes that they had surrendered and accept, you know, they whatever their lot in life and whatever they've done. You know, when you grow up in the street, you can read the people and I, and to me, whatever they'd done, I knew they were sorry and they were they were doing the best they can for society and trying to help out the next guy by, by being there available. I went to that group for about a couple of years. Uh, I ended up changing careers and they ended up getting into real estate and selling insurance and so forth after I heard a speaker in AA. I stopped drinking about six months into the program. Um, when the uh, interviews people uh, threatened me to, to send me to back to the judge. I said, I don't want to go back to the judge. The judge did not want to send me to, to AA, to this program. He wanted to send me up, up the river, you know, in the, in the big house, spend some time for, because the highway patrol had wrote down on my report, it says, severely punish this man, probably because of my arrogance. And it, it leads up to... Uh, that I couldn't accept help. I couldn't say. I remember driving down the road with the lethal weapon, which is a semi, you know, 60, 70,000 pounds fully loaded. And I knew I needed help with my drinking. I, I didn't know where to go. I, I needed help. And, and when I got to AA, I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know how to say, hey, man, I'm totally out of control. I don't know how life runs. I was totally broken man, by the way, when I came in AA. I had no hope, no faith, no no believing, uh, no trust issues. And in uh, the meetings and the laughter, they started pouring hope back into my cup. I had no confidence Alcohol had stripped everything away, and it was after my life. Every time I went out there and tried and tried another bout with alcohol, alcohol was was my master. Like Bill W. said, it had his foot on my neck, and it, and I knew that alcohol was trying to break break my neck. It was uh, it acted like my friend first, 
And then all of a sudden it just it just turned on me. And I didn't know, I didn't know that I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a program. I didn't know that there was help. And, the, and my spiritual dilemma was lack of, of having a higher power. Like the book says, to find your higher power. So through sitting there in the meetings and laughing and crying, and they left me alone in AA. They, I don't remember anybody's name other than this girl I took out, Jessica. I did the 13th step. But, you know, we just, just went out and danced a little bit and so forth. When, when I went to that dance floor, and took I, I knew that was not the place for me. Somehow I had a transformation. Everything in there was, was black, dark, the the, 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 the the room stank. The, the the I had a paradigm shift with the alcohol. I could smell the chemical. I can see it what it was. The truth had set me free in AA. Alcohol was uh, ethyl to me. It was like, wow, you know. I had not been drinking now for for a few months, and then uh, you know I realized that that um, that I did not want to go out in that world no more because it was. It was raining uh, uh, acid and bricks and, and weapons and DUIs and, and diseases and danger. Uh, and in here was a safe haven. It was a safe place right off the top, you know, where I can take a breather and see what's going on about life. So I started getting my confidence back. I started getting a little bit of faith back. And all of a sudden, I... I, I, I get into, like I said, I got into real estate. I bought a house, bought a Mercedes-Benz, started selling this and that. And all the power was coming from AA. I went from, I finally got my GED at 27 years old. It was only with the help of AA. Finally got it. And, uh, and then from there, I, I started going to church. I got a, a God of my understanding. I started going to church and so forth. And then I... I uh, I ended up drinking again, you know, about my eight, ninth year. And that's where the uh, the reeling of the mind was, was heavily, was suicide thoughts coming on in. You know, you're just a bunch of shit. You're no good, you know. Uh, you're just a, 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 a mama's baby. You know, you don't know what, what the score on life is. And all these, uh, easy does it, think, think, think. Uh, all these sayings they had in the wall that, that were so valuable to me in the beginning, they were my default setting. When I first came into AA, I would stare at those and I would take it out to the workforce and they would work. They would hold me. said, uh, you know, live and let live, <clears throat> but for the grace of God. And 24 hours, don't drink today. Uh, all these little sayings became my first... Uh, you know, words that, that kept me coming back and kept me alive. So one of the, um, when I started, uh, when I got excited about A, my second time around in 1994, I went out for about five years, didn't do as, I came back, uh, and I, was, I saw the first tradition when I came back after about 14 years. And I, the first tradition, our common welfare came first, personal recovery dependent upon AA unity. You know, that's said to... A good? Sorry, five minutes. Five minutes? Five minutes. All right. Yes. Cool. Thank you. That said to me, I need to do the pre-steps on Fernando, on the con artist. The con artist that, that's always always trying not to do the work, get do as little as you can. 
the, the, the first tradition spoke to me so strongly when I walked in there after, after losing everything and trying to hang on and the crazies were setting in and, and, and the first tradition said to me, I needed to get rest, come to a meeting with a dollar and participate in class. And I knew that the, the love again, the love that was holding the glue together, the, the people, uh, their acceptance. I couldn't accept myself. You love me too, I couldn't love myself. And then after a while, the, uh, the phenomenon of a craving took a while to leave. It would, it would wait for me after the meeting when I came back. It, was, it would be waiting for me and it'd get on my shoulders. But as I kept coming back, it, it, it was less and less and I became a new, uh, I became, I got excited about the program. Within three months, I became a secretary in Tracy, California in a men's meeting. They kept saying they were going to close it. I said, hey, I'll run it. And I asked the, my sponsor, I said, uh, how much time do you need to run that meeting? And he said, well, kid, um, did you drink today? I said, no, well, you qualify. <laughs> And I started running the meeting, and I've been I've been back in service ever since. I helped, like Paul said, and thank you, Paul. I, I love I love the people that we meet in AA. You know, just just the, the 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 awesomeness of the characters in here. They stay with you, and I always wonder where Paul went. There you are. You know, I was I was from Los Angeles. And I was I was vac- I married a girl through the program, up in that area in uh, Northern California. So I decided to go to the Alana Club and start a meeting there. I put three, four hundred dollars on the table on the on the club, and I said I need the room for a nine o'clock slot for an hour. And then I started going around looking for uh, secretaries, and uh, and we we got two or three secretaries. We got started in the meeting, and we called it fully clothed in my right mind. And uh, and I came back a couple of years later. They gave me a bill for six hundred and fifty dollars. Because the meetings have not, you know, paid what they needed to be. There was only two or three guys. And uh, I raised the, the envelope in the, and I said, Jesus, you got email. And I did that. And three days later, that bill was, was uh, uh, paid. You know, one of the meetings, the guy says, hey, we got all these envelopes of all this money here. We, I don't know what to do. It. I paid my rent. All right. He didn't say, gave me the envelopes. It was about $150. I went and put it down at the down payment, Ilana Club, and they continued to let us. Today, on a Friday, I couldn't find a sitting room in that in that meeting. You know, instead of three people, there was 33 people. I hear, I hear that in, in the birthdays, the people are standing, standing room, standing outside. And I said, man, you're going to have to put a, a, a TV outside and Zoom this class. You know, they don't have it in there, but... It, it God did what I couldn't do for myself. It has helped me. I, I think I started about, oh, there was a three or four meetings in Sacramento, five meetings in Morgan Hill, another uh, seven meetings at the 9 a.m. at the park over here in Glendora, California, where I live. Uh, and then there was the group in Tracy that broke up, and we helped organize it to keep it going. And when I went back over there, they called me a founding father. <laughs> It's nice to go to a group and people introduce you and people tell you, this group saved my life. This meeting has saved my life. The time slot. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I go to Hawaii, go to conventions, 
and uh, I really enjoy my life in Alcoholic Anonymous. It's, I, it's the best life there is, and my higher power, you know, we have a connection. He's all right with me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you so much, Fernando. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Paul. Good to see you. Uh, very good to see you. Uh, we'll now take a secretary's break. Uh, is anyone counting days 1 through 89 or here for the first AA meeting would like to introduce themselves? Please do so now. No? Is anyone celebrating 90 days? Oh, I'm sorry. Sean Hamilton? Would you please 